Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. to be in church this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May take your seats. As we attend. Amen. As we attend. If you can help me here with this monitor. Amen. 
as we turn to the book of Judges, uh, chapter 1, amen, Judges, chapter 1, God bless you, brother Teko, and your wife, amen, we welcome you in church. The book of Judges, I don't know whether the brothers can help me here, or maybe let's switch the monitor off. Amen. Judges 1 from chapter 1 to verse 1. It reads in this manner if it has been found. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass. That the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first? To fight against them. Amen. Now, uh, you would expect that after Joshua, they shouldn't have been Canaanites in Canaan. Uh, you still remember, he said, drive them out. But here we've got a trace that they were still there. Judges 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. At least eight, one verse nine. The thing that hath been. It is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Amen. As we bow our heads, gracious Heavenly Father. This morning, we approach your throne of mercy, acknowledging our insufficiency, our deficiency before the dear God. We can be as readers read, and as people that possess a certain degree of intelligence, comprehend what we are reading. But we have realized when it comes to the matters of God, it's not about just reading, it's not just about comprehension, but it's about revelation. And this morning, help us to be revelated. And dear God, we are reporting for duty this morning. May you undertake for us that may our thoughts be shut and may your words be proclaimed and be inspired by the Holy Ghost. We pray for Brother Freddy, who's not feeling well, 
and sending a healing his way. That may you, dear God, completely deliver him, dear God. Not only him alone, even those that may not be feeling well, dear God, you, you are a healer. You are a great physician. You are a miracle performer. You are a way maker. You are a victory deliverer. You are a promise keeper. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are a great one in battle. We will never be defeated when we are on your side. If there is anyone that is sick in the building, we bind that sickness in the name of Jesus Christ and pronounce the deliverance upon them. If there is anyone that is needing the building, may you meet them at the point of need so that they should be testimonies. I know people have got needs. I know people are praying in their closet for various things, but right now I'm reinforcing their prayers and say, dear God, may you deliver unto them that when we speak that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the devil should know that we mean business because we see what our God is doing. You are always protecting us. You are always guiding us. You are always leading us. We have never lacked of anything. Even though we may have looked like we lack, but we lack nothing. Because, dear God, within us there is that inner peace that surpasses all understanding. Dear God, we appreciate you as we commit everything to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly as you take your seats. Amen. Now... Uh, I was in Polokwani, Pastor Mukovi said I must pass his regards to you. Amen. Amen. This morning, I just want to speak on uh, spiritual leadership. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Amen. How many appreciate the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. We appreciate him for his grace and mercy. Now, I want to speak this morning about spiritual leadership. That's what I want to speak about here. Uh, Looking firstly, uh, if you are a Bible reader, you know that you've got to interpret things in patterns. How many know that? Uh, Life takes place in patterns. That is why uh, one of the fundamental lessons for in the kindergarten, they try to teach you the patterns because uh, even in problem solving, you've got to look at the pattern of a problem. Amen. Even when it comes to uh, the spiritual things, you've got to look at the pattern. Somebody will say, history repeats itself. And here the scripture says, there is nothing new under the sun. 
Do you agree with that? Amen. Amen. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, Brother Brenham in the message, Demonology, paragraph 216. Demonology, paragraph 1216. He says, remember, God takes his men, but never his spirit. And the devil takes his men, but never his spirit. That means spirits that we see today have been here before. Hallelujah. Whether holy or unholy, but such spirits have been here before. Amen. Mm, And I think that is why the Bible says, the thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Amen. Now, you come to the book of Judges 2.10. There's something that I want to build up here. Paragraph 10. It says, And also in that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, not yet the works which he had done for Israel. They came another generation. Are you with me, church? They came another generation that did not know the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, if we do not teach the works of the Lord through the work, the word of the Lord, we risk that people may lose the wonder of God. If we don't teach the works of the Lord through the word of God, we risk that the people may lose the wonder of God. And somebody said, Christianity is just one generation from going extinct. It's not in the message. It's somebody who just made a research of his own. That means all it takes is for one generation not to know the Lord, and the entire thing is gone. Are you with me? Yeah. So it, 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 it is, the onus is on the current generation to teach the next generation about God. And when the next generation comes, they as well must teach the next generation about God. Unless that happens, then we, we risk seeing a moral slide, a moral decline. Exactly what we saw in the book of Judges we see a moral decline. Hallelujah. Joshua, the great commander, he came and placed them in the land and gave them their godly inheritance. And after he gave them their godly inheritance, then he was taken off the scene. Then there came another generation that did not know the Lord. And the Bible says they did right in, every man did right according to their, in their own eyes. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, let us look at this quotation as I was with Moses, so I will be with the paragraph 4-1. The prophet says, this quotation, I once read it in 2020-12, somewhere at Silverton but later was not comfortable with 
the undertone that it, genera it generated. Amen. In the message, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Paragraph 41, the prophet says, the church organizations, the church organization, denominations have failed. They will not take the church over. God will raise up a new system, an interdenominational system by the power of God that will take the church into the promised land. Organizations and denominations have messed it up. Do you agree? The organizations and denominations have messed it up. Each one after their own theology. Each one after their own way of thinking. But God will take his Holy Spirit and will raise his Joshua's that will take the church to the promise with no denominational strings tied anywhere, but will take over his church. Are you still with me? When it, when it speaks about the Joshua's, it speaks about the fivefold ministry. And the Joshua is the Holy Ghost operating in the fivefold ministry, leading the church. Are you still with me? Now, the church, as, as much as the fivefold ministry must have Joshua in them, the church must have Joshua in them. Hallelujah. If the pastor's got the Holy Ghost, the church must have the Holy Ghost. If the prophet had the Holy Ghost, the fivefold ministry must have the Holy Ghost. But the prophet says the denominational system has failed. And they will not take the church over. What does it mean? There is nothing that we are looking at within denominational cycles that we can employ or adopt and think we can refine and it can take the church over. The denominational system has failed. Are you here, church? The denominational system has failed. But God has to raise an inter- denominational system by the power of God that will take the church into the promised land. Hallelujah. Now, the reason they say there is nothing new under the sun and we say history has got the tendency to repeat itself. You're going to see that every time when God takes you about out of something, there is a risk that you can return back into the very thing that God took you out. The Bible says, as the dog returns to the vomit, and some are returning back to the same iniquity that they were delivered from. Are you still with me? And a lot of times, I think in the process of time, I don't think many people understand what a denomination is within the message. They think a denomination is uh, a Catholic, a Baptist, uh, Pentecostals and so forth. That's not it. A denomination is a spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's a spirit that thrives or that has got an appetite for organized religion. 
Hallelujah. It doesn't make the message community to be immune from denominationalism. Hallelujah. Let me repeat. It does not make the message community to be immune from denominationalism. The message community has a higher risk of residing back into denominationalism unless the Holy Ghost takes charge. Now you have heard me. Now, when you look, just bring this light, my brother. Then you, we had Joshua that took over from Moses. Moses, it was a godly leadership. And then Joshua came as a successor to Moses. He was a godly leader. And after Joshua was taken of the scene, then we entered into the book of Judges where every man did what they deemed to be right in their own eyes. And that period symbolized or typed the seven church ages. But the beauty about it, at the end of that era, then we see a woman coming in the Bible, Ruth. Hallelujah. It looked like all hope was lost during the book of Judges. Yes, we had, we had what we call the Judges, Judges, in this case, it doesn't refer to as a person sits in court. It refers to what we'll call a mini-Messiah. You had people like Gideon. You had people like Shemga. You have got people like Samson. Those were the reformers that came during the book of Judges. As much as there were reformers that came through the seven church ages, your John Wesley, uh, your Martin Luther, your Columbus, those who were not a prophet, they were reformers. And let me show you the beauty of living under a prophet vis-a-vis uh, -vis living under, under a reformer. A reformer does not have the complete weight. A reformer comes during a partial realization. That's why Martin Luther, great as he was, but immediately after church, while he's speaking to the unbelievers, he's smoking his pipe. And God could accept him because it was during an era of partial realization. But in our time, God cannot accept substantive things. It has to be a complete thing and a complete surrender. It has to be a complete life. Because why? We are no longer under partial realization, but we are under complete realization. The fullness of the weight has been restored. Amen. Are you still with me? Now, I say he typed that because during in Pentecost, then we had the baptism of the Holy Ghost when they spoke in tongues. And immediately after that, it looked like then as church ages proceeded, it looked like later on we speak about what they call the dark ages, where it looked like there was not even a flicker of light. But during that time, there were reformers that were coming up. But in the end time, as it was then with Ruth, now we've got Ruth in the end time. And we're going to break it down, these things, this morning. Now, let's bring it to this wheel, my brother. The gamblers, when they see this wheel, they are thinking, Amen. But this, this is a wheel of sin. Hallelujah. Whenever you find in the book of Judges, always it will be Israel will worship foreign gods. Yes. 
And immediately after they worship foreign gods, then God allows them to go into captivity. And once they are in captivity, then they cry out to God. And every time, remember, as it applies to Israel, it applies to you as an individual. Every time you esteem anything else to be a God more than the God of the Bible, then it is going to bring you into bondage. Hallelujah. It's going to bring you into spiritual bondage. And when you are in spiritual bondage, then you're going to cry out to God. But here is a danger a lot of times. When people are in spiritual bondage and they cry to God, a lot of times it's not that they need, they are, they are, they are, a lot of times people are not so much worried about the cause of sin, they are worried about the symptoms of sin. Uh, hallelujah. The world today, instead of teaching young people purity, they rather teach them about contraceptives. Uh, hallelujah. Are you here, church? They, they rather disregard the message of purity. And when we preach sex before marriage is a sin, they say, you old-fashioned people. But the same people will go to the young people and say, you do it, but this is how you manage the consequence of the act. Are you still with me? Uh, that's, that's, it has always been the case of humanity to deal or manage the consequences instead of dealing with the root cause. Yes. And I say, when we deal with the root cause, young people should live pure lives. Do you still believe in that gospel? Young people should live pure lives. And sex before marriage is a sin. Do you mind to repeat after me? Sex before marriage? Oh, this is the best sex education that you'll ever get. Sex before marriage? Is a sin. Is a sin. Uh, do you believe that, church? The devil must know that we believe in that. Unapologetically so. And when you, as a young person, you believe in that and live according to that standard, you escape a lot of consequences. For every choice that you make, there are consequences. I hope we are together. Then Israel, immediately after worshiping false gods, then Israel would go into captivity. And now once they're in captivity, then they will cry out to God. Oh, God, save me. And God will raise a judge, a reformer. And that reformer will bring a salvation. And after the salvation has been brought to Israel, then there will be rest on the land. And after there's been rest on the land, what is happening? The cycle repeats itself. They, for a moment, they seem sober. For a moment, they are worshiping God. But in no time, they are back into the cycle, worshiping foreign gods. Then they go into captivity. Then they cry out to God. Then God sends a judge. And a judge brings salvation. Then there is rest. Then the cycle keeps on repeating. And the danger part is that the same cycle that you see here, here, it has repeated throughout the seven church ages. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you. And hear me, my qualifier this morning is that the message of the hour community is not immune from this. 
the very things that you ran away from, there is likelihood that you may run into. If there is no spiritual vigilancy and there is no spiritual discernment. In the message, the spirit of truth. Paragraph 36. Listen to the prophet messenger. Now, as a young Christian, I've always made this statement. I was glad God got hold of me before the church did. Folks, the church will mess you up. I say the church will mess you up. And at no point in time, I, I, I don't want to be in a hold of a church. I want God to get hold of me. It's a better hold than the one of the church. I was glad God got a hold of me before the church did. Hard telling what it would have been. I was thankful of the leadership and the direct contact that the Holy Spirit impressed my life with before I ever surrendered to it. Now, you'll ask yourself, why is he saying he's glad that God got a hold of him before the church did? And I'm glad that God got a hold of Brother Brenham before the church did. You know what's the problem? Because we come from different backgrounds. Are you with me? Different denominational backgrounds. Even if you are not in a denomination, you come from a spiritual background of some sort. Now, the danger part is that when you are on the Christian journey, a lot of times when you run into difficulty, there is always a temptation to dig back into where you came from as a point of reference. Are you with me? Now, Brother Branham had no point of reference because the church never got hold of him and he never surrendered himself to a church spirit. Are you still with me? Hear me and hear me very well. There are times where I've seen people, a person could be delivered as a ZCC member and come into the message, but you find that ZCC spirit is hovering over them. Are you here, church? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe, let me say, the very spirit that you ran away from the world, it is out there still lingering behind to catch you. The only thing that will make you to be an overcomer is that once a demon is cast out, the house must never remain vacant. The problem is that we've got so many vacant houses. And in the process of time, they become vulnerable to the very thing that they ran away from. Are you with me? The church has got to be under the authentic leadership of the Holy Ghost. Nothing less than that. Are you with me? Now, in the message, if God be with us, then we are all the miracles. Paragraph 32. The prophet says, the devil can't set a foot on you to hurt you 
until first you get away from God. Do you hear it? The devil can set a foot on you to hurt you until first you get away from God. He says, you must first remember that. Check when everything happens. See if you are in the faith or not. And see that if you are right up to a place with God, then remember the devil can do you no harm. You are in Christ. So the devil in his weaponry, he can never get a hold of you until he moves you from the presence of God. And once he has moved you, you have become vulnerable to his attacks. But once you are in Christ, there is a hedge around you. The place of refuge is not a church building. It's not a group. It's Christ. Once you are in Christ, then you are fortified. You are protected from all demonic forces. Folks, once you are in Christ, there is no security breach. The devil can't reach you. I say no spirit can reach you. No attacker can reach you. You are fortified when you are in Christ. But the moment you get attacked is when you leave Christ. Are you still here, church? I hope we are together. Now, I want to come to this cycle that I've shown in the book of Judges. But now we want to come into the seven church ages. In the message, the first seal... Paragraph 63. Amen. I like how Brother Wati taught you about identity crisis last week. You've got to know your identity. Amen. The first seal, paragraph 63. It says, now notice what happens as we go along. Here is the plan of it. The first thing happens. There is an announcement in heavens, in the heavens first. What happens? A seal is opened. What is that? A mystery is unfolded. The brother is telling you about a pattern of how a church age opens. He says the first is an announcement in the heavens first. What happens? A seal is opened. What is that? A mystery is unfolded. And when a mystery unfolds, then a trumpet sounds. It declares a war, a plague falls, and a church age opens. It says, paragraph 64, what is the war part? The angel of the church catches the mystery of God, not fully yet revealed, but when he does, he catches this mystery of God. Then he goes forth to the people after the mystery has been given to him, goes forth to the people, what does he do out there? He begins to proclaim that message. And what does he do? A war, a spiritual war breaks out. Paragraph 65. And when God takes his messenger with the elect of that age and lays them away asleep, then he drops a plague upon them who rejected it, a temporary judgment. And then after that is over, then it goes on. And they denominate and bring in denominations and start off with that man's work, like of Wesley and all the rest of them. Then it gets all in a squabble again. 
Do you get what he says? Let me, let's just say, sum it up here. First, there is an announcement in heaven. You remember when the seals were opened. Then there is an announcement in heaven. Then there is a messenger that catches the mystery that unfolds from that announcement. And once he catches that mystery, then a trumpet sounds. It declares war. Then he proclaims the message to the elect, and the elect catches that message. And that's what we call them, the message believers of that time. Then immediately after they caught the message of that time, then later they are taken, the messenger is taken of the scene. Then later the elect are taken of the scene. Then God releases a plague upon those that rejected the message of that time. Are you still with me? Then it says, after it has been done, then the people will take the very message of the same man, then they will denominate around it. Then it says, it gets all in squabble again. And when you go and look at the word squabble, it means arguments over trivial things, arguments over insignificant things. Are you still with me? I don't know whether you're beginning to see that in the end time, where there is a trivial debate over insignificant things. Uh, are you with me? There is an appetite to denominate this message. There is an appetite to organize this message. But this morning, the bride of Jesus Christ will reject that spirit. I said the bride will reject that spirit. The bride left the denominations and will never be denominated. I hope we are together. Now, let's check what happened in the first church age. In the exposition of the seven church ages, this is in the book, The Church Ages. The prophecy you will recall that I brought out in the Ephesian age that the word Nicolantine comes from the two Greek words Nikau, which means to conquer, and Lao, which means the laity. Nicolantine means to conquer the laity. Now, why is this such a terrible thing? It is terrible because God has never placed his church in the hands of an elected leadership which moves with political mindedness. Am I pronouncing it correctly? He has placed this church in the care of God ordained, spirit filled, weight living men who lead the church through feeding them the weight. He has not separated the people into classes so that the masses are led by a holy priesthood. It is true that the leadership must be holy, but, but then so must the whole congregation. Brother Brenham is telling you that in the early church, the word Nicolantine, it means the clergy conquering the church. And we are called, especially the fivefold ministry, to not to assume lordship over God's people, but to be God's servants to them. Are you still with me? But in the early church, there was this spirit 
that wanted to bring a hierarchy. And this spirit that had an organizational structure to it, that there must be a certain hierarchy that must be followed before how the church should move. And Brother Brenham say, it has never been God's desire to lead the church in that format. The church has got to be led by spirit-filled men. Who feed it not creeds and dogmas, but who feed it the weight? Are you still with me? So he says, he continues, he says, see how it started out in the early church. It was called the deeds. Then it became a doctrine. You know, it starts like a deed. And a very innocent deed. Later the deed becomes a doctrine. It became, then it became a standard. It became the unbending way. It finally took over and God was pushed aside. It started so small, so quietly, so inoffensively. It looked so good. It seemed so good. Then it caught a hold like a python. It squeezed out the very breath and killed all the spirituality there was in the church. On that false vine, oh, that false vine is subtle. It is like an angel of light until it gets a hold on you. Now, I want to say that I believe in leadership, but it is not the leadership of men I believe in. I believe in the leadership of the Holy Ghost coming through the weight. I believe also that God has set men in the church, men who are gifted by the Spirit, they will, not, they will keep the church in order. I believe that the church is ruled over by men that God sends to take charge. But that rule is by the weight. Not by traditions. Not by, by denominationalism. By the weight. So that it is not men really ruling, but the spirit of God. For the weight and spirit are one. Are you still with me? He's telling you about, and this came about, about from a man called Nico. That's how he came about. It was an innocent jit. And later after it was an innocent deed, then it became a doctrine. Then after it became a doctrine, then it became a standard. And Brother Bremen said that's how they introduced the bishops in the church. Then it became a hierarchy that everything before it could be done, it has to be sanctioned by a bishop. Thank be to God. William Brenham said we have no headquarters. Our headquarters is in heaven. Oh, church, did you hear me? Our headquarters is not Jeffersonville. We love things that happen at Jeffersonville, at Brenham Tabernacle, but Brenham Tabernacle is not our headquarters. Our headquarters is in glory. And before the ministers minister in the church, they don't check with the bishop. They don't check with anyone else. They check with the Holy Ghost. And if it is inspired by the Holy Ghost, they declare it before the people. 
that hierarchy, it was no longer God called men. It was now polished men. Men with seminary background. Men that were cultured in how they spoke. But what they spoke, it was just oratory skills with no life in it. Are you still with me? I hope we are together. It, 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 it goes further. He says, this is a good place to make an illuminating observation. Look, the deeds and doctrines of the Nicolaitans, the doctrine of Belium, and the teaching of the false prophets, prophetess Jezebel, now, right in the early church, you have the spirit of Nicolatine, then you have a doctrine of Belium, then you had the teachings of Jezebel. Let me put it this way. I said Nicolatine is the clergy conquering the church, assuming lordship over the church. Have you ever seen people that want to bind you to them by fear? Uh, how many know what? People that are ready even to dish out curses. If you disagree with them, I'll curse you. Have you got a copyright to curses? Are you in partnership with the David? Are you with me? A, a servant of God should bless. Even those that curse them. Are you still with me? But this lordship is about say. Uh, nothing will ever go right in your space because they have assumed lordship over God's people forgetting they are human forgetting they are human and you know why it, it happens that's why every time I get to a place where I fear any man I realize that it, it's a problem because the men that you fear, you can never correct. Yeah. I'm speaking about even big men in the message. If they get to a point where they are being feared, who is going to correct them? Yeah. Are you with me? Yes. We are called not to be feared, but to be loved. Yeah. And we are called not to fear one another, but to love one another. Yeah. And as a result, we fear no man. Yeah. And you should say, I fear no man. Yeah. But I respect all men and love all men. But I fear no man. Because you know who your God is. Amen. Uh, how many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Where they told you, the way you talked, the things will never work out. <laughs> but they are still waking out. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said they are still waking out. Because why? You can never reverse a blessing upon on whom God has pronounced. Are uh, with me? So don't be scared. Now, Nicolaitine. Now, now there is a doctrine of Biliam. This I'm showing you how the early church got derailed, because we look at what happened in the upper room. We look how they came out and spoke in tongues, and the word of God was published throughout all the regions. But we don't know 
what made them to go wrong. And if we don't know what derailed them, we may be derailed as well. Now, later on, they speak about the doctrine of Biliam. This is the love of money. Hallelujah. This is the love of money in the ministry. I will repeat. This is the love of money in the ministry. The doctrine of Biliam is about cash. It's about what is in the collection plate. Let's get money by however way means we may get. Let's get money. Let's put them on a guilty trip. And this spirit started in America. Americans have got this tendency that I don't like where they come to Africa and take pictures of poor children and present them back home and say, this is what we are doing in Africa. We need more money. And sometimes that money even never reaches Africa. But pictures reach America. (laughs) Are you with me? It's a spirit, the love of money in the ministry. And the love of money in the ministry makes one not to look at the souls, but to look at net worth of people. Here we are not interested in the net worth of people. We are interested in soul worth of people. This is what has crippled ministries. Even in the message of the hour, where a pastor cannot even gauge and correct Mary. You know, the problem today, and as I'm speaking about spiritual leadership, your husband sister today can divorce you and leave you in this church, or your wife can divorce you and leave you in this church, and within a month, he can find a message believer to officiate his marriage and be an amen corner in another church. I'm preaching here, folks. Because why? There is a new breed that is after money. More members, more money. And there is a now a standard of the quality of the way is dropping on the pulpit. Uh, marriage and divorce cannot be preached anymore. Because it will offend big givers in church. Brother, if you worship in this church, you bow down to the word of God or you leave us alone. Uh, You have heard me, folks. You have heard me, folks. I don't say God will not have rich people, but he will have rich people that respect him. That respect their marital vows. That respect their standing in the way. And the church of God will not accept anything less than that. No matter what price tag it carries. Man, the billion spirit. Young men that never went to school. Everyone say, I'm called. After failing grades. Calling requires a certain sacrifice. Yes. Moses, the reason he was called here to leave palace. Yes. You must leave something of value yes. in order to say you are called. Yes. You don't just wake up and be called in your laziness. Yes. I beg to differ. Yes. 
Are you here, church? Yes. And even the late in the end time, they know ministers that are victims of the billion spirit. Yes. If I give him a more a bigger envelope, all is sorted. I can live any way I want. And the church is wondering, but isn't the pastor seeing that man? Oh, when they bring it before the pastor, let's say his, it is his weakness. Adultery is not a weakness. Adultery is a sin that you must repent from. Are you here, church? The doctrine of Belial. And the teaching of false prophets. This, this, this is the Jezebel spirit. You know, there is Nicolaitan spirit where it is the lordship over God's people. Jezebel spirit is the church assuming authority over a pastor. Oh, we don't like you preach too long. You, we need to call you. We, we don't like the message that you preached last week. It must be edited. Are, are you with me? That, that, that's the dominant sisters in your house. Be a sister. Don't dominate your husband. You are there as a helpmate. Let him make decisions. Let him take leadership. But make sure that as he takes leadership, he is led by Christ. Are you still with me here? You as a man, for you to be a head, you must have a head. I hope we are together here. But today, today, the spirit today, sisters, I hope you've got the Holy Ghost. I've got, I hope that you are delivered and you have not developed the sensitivities of worldly women. They are so sensitive. Uh, We can't preach like, you are praising women. Tell me, if we are pressing women, I've got a challenge for you. Why is your government that is giving women freedom? Why don't they remove uh, porn sites? Why don't they remove pornographic materials on billboards? Why do they allow women to be, women's bodies to be used to market attire? Why can't they say, tire manufacturer, use a car, don't use a woman? If they really respect a woman. But in this church we say, come and fracture us. Leave women's bodies alone. Don't objectify them. Because their bodies are a temple of God. Glory to God. Are you here, church? And we are saying a woman's body is so sacred that a boy should never be exposed to a woman's body until it is in marriage. Because it is so sacred. But your government that is free say, let them go naked. Satan's eating. Naked but without the veil of the glory of God. And you see, your HIV rates are going up. You are young people today. Oh, folks, it's a mess. I say it's a mess. Almost 8 million. 8 million people in this country are infected. And the number that is taking place a week is skyrocketing. And old men, 
that have failed to outgrow adolescent stage. They are parking at the tertiary institution. They are parking at high school. They are looking for young ones. They call their mama 2000. In this church, you need to be delivered after the lustful spirit of going after the young ones. If a man abuses a girl in this church, you will be excommunicated. Did you hear me? It doesn't matter who it is, including me. That's how we respect a girl child. But you are government. (laughs) We've got what we call sex offender list. For the past eight years, the government has been requested, publish the list so that we know sex offenders. They are refusing. You know why they are refusing? Most of your MPs are on the list. Because the community say, we want to know if my neighbor is a sex offender. We want to know if the teacher is a sex offender. They say they have wrapped it. And today they call it, is it Poppy Act? Personal Information Protection Act. And everybody say it looks innocent. They are covering somebody there. Amen. The deeds and doctrines of Nicolaine Times and the doctrine of Belial and the teaching of the false prophetess Jezebel do not constitute, listen to what he says, do not constitute three spirits or make three spiritual principles. These three are but the various manifestations of the same spirit as it goes from depth to depth. What is it all is? Is the Antichrist, the spirit of organization in three various stages. Once the clergy separated themselves and organized themselves, they oppressed the people by leading them into and binding them to organization also. This organization, this organization was based upon the creeds and dogmas which they taught the people in state of the pure word of God. Ritual and ceremony was given an increasing part in worship and soon this whole system was a militant and diabolical power that did its best to control all through the persuasion of discourse or literal force. It received its energy from its own false prophecies, not the word of God. It was now absolutely antichrist, through, though it came in Christ's name. It came in, but it was, but it was subtle. Innocent as it moved the people away from the weight. Are you here, church? Amen. It's not three spirits the Jezebel spirit, the Nicolantine spirit, and as well the Biliam spirit is the same spirit, but expressing itself in various stages. 
in order. It's like a python squeezing the life of Christ out of the church. But there is a hope. In exposition, church age, he says, no, no, is it even enough that we see the fivefold ministry of Ephesians 4? Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. For in each age, the church goes astray. In each age, the church goes astray. It is not just the laity, but the clergy group. Shepherds are wrong as well as sheep. Then God brings himself on the scene as the chief shepherd in the ministries of these seven men, which are the seven messengers, to lead his people back to the truth and the abundant power of that truth. Therefore, your pastor, your apostle, your evangelist, your prophet, a prophet, there is a, the dispensational prophet, and there is a prophet within the fivefold ministry. And Brother Moses, the prophet in the fivefold ministry, it refers to a New Testament preacher. Are you with me? Then these five, this fivefold ministry, throughout the ages, without the great, the chief shepherd, shepherd, bringing a ministry of one of these seven men in their age to bring them back to the truth. Many times they are as lost as the laity is lost. So there is a God, then there is the prophet, there is God, there is the prophet messenger, then there is fivefold ministry, then there is the laity. Now, the laity, how it operates is in this way. The fivefold ministry can never do away with the prophet. They've got to take Joshua couldn't do without Moses. People that came during the time, people like Timothy, Philemon, couldn't do without Paul. And today we can't do without William Maron Brenham because it's the prophet messenger in the end time. Are you still with me? So we take from the prophet messenger as the fivefold ministry and we give it to the church. But the church must remember because God saw the dishonesty of the clergy throughout the church ages. That many a times the church must not rely on hearsay. The church in the end time must have a tape and books that they've got access to. So that what is being preached is not a hearsay. It can be verified whether it is in the message or not. Uh, Are you still with me? But the danger part, the danger part is that the church today doesn't read. The church today doesn't listen to the tapes. And you know why, what happens? So when you don't read the books and you don't listen to the tape, it means you've got no thinking man's filter. That means anything that can be presented to you, if you can be persuaded, even if it is not in the weight. 
I hope we are together here. How many enjoy it? When you have been reading a spoken word during the week and you come to church and a minister reads a quotation. If it has never happened to you in recent times, you need to reconnect with God. Something has gone wrong. When it happens, it means that you've got a filter. And anything that has been spoken, you are filtering it. And say, is it the truth? And if it is the truth, you punctuate with amen. And if it is not the truth, you don't become generous with amen. If it is not in the weight, we don't say amen. amen. Because amen means so be it. We only say so be it if it is the weight. If it is not the weight, we keep quiet. Are you with me? Now, in the message investments, paragraph 256. Or maybe before you go there, maybe you may get it on your software. The, what made the Israelites to lose the purpose of why they were in Canaan, they allowed it to coexist with the Canaanites. Every time when wrong and right coexist, right often suffers. Right and wrong cannot coexist. Then another thing that made them to be derailed, you remember there was a man called Dan. Dan. You remember he worshipped foreign gods. And when you find out, you find out that that spirit of Dan, if you trace it through the book of Judges, you see the traces of it. So you had the Canaanites, then you had idolatry spirit that moved through the Judges. And throughout the Judges, Israel was not united as a nation. There was disunity. Every time when you speak about Gideon, he only captured or spoke to a small section of Israel. Do you remember? Yes. Samson. It was not the whole of Israel because it was way too divided. And that's what made it them weaker and weaker and to be caught up in that cycle of worshiping foreign gods and getting into captivity, crying to God. God sends a deliverer they come out of captivity, then there is rest. For a season, they are back into that cycle. That is why you would find that you've got Judah, then you had Israel. That's why you find Ahab, you find Jehoshaphat. Are you with me? Are you still, are you still message readers here? Because the nation was split. Now, if it happened in the early in the in the book of Judges, it's exactly what we've seen throughout the seven church ages: the disunity of the saints, the unity that existed 
in the upper room vanished when isms, creeds, and dogmas were introduced. Now, Brother Ram preached the message before I get into the next quote. Why I'm against, against organized religion. Why am I against organized religion? Maybe Brother Junior Jackson is one of the people that you remember his dreams. Then one time, some believers left Brenham Tabernacle or the, the, the worshippers from Brother Junior Jackson would come to Brenham Tabernacle to visit. Then the Brenham Tabernacle, those that were under the prophet, said to Junior Jackson's people, those are nothing but a bunch of dead beds. Brethren, the people that Brother Brenham was pastoring, the people that the pillar of fire appeared before them, the people that the angel played a piano for them, the people that the angel drew the seven churches for them. After having seen that, then they turn around and say their brethren are a bunch of dead beds. Brother Brenham comes because you know what I like about Brother Brenham was his sincerity, his honesty, his devotion to the word of God. He comes to the church, he says, I am ashamed of you. I am ashamed to call you my children in faith. Brother Junior Jackson is our brother. What was happening? It was the same spirit that moved throughout the seven church ages. It was now moving into the message to divide the message community at Brenham Tabernacle, where a brother meets a brother in town and regards another brother as a deadbeat. It was a spirit to say, if you are not part of us, you are not going into the rapture. Don't you see the same spirit dominant again in the end time? If you are not part of our group, you are not going into the rapture. Until ministers have got the audacity to say, all churches are dead. It's only our church that is alive. That statement on its own affirms that it's your church that is dead. Because there is no way the arm can scream and say, the body is dead. That means that arm is dead. Because we will ask the arm, if you say the body is dead, where is the head? You can't be alive without the head. You can't be alive without the feet. You can't be alive without the torso. But today I see fingers jumping up. We are the only one. And I look at the trees, but it's just a finger. Where is the rest of the body? A toe. We are the only one. But it's just a toe. And what is happening? It creates squabbles again. As it happened throughout the seven church ages. Over trivial insignificant 
matters. Are you with me? Let's come to this one, brother. The message investments, paragraph 256. Because it's a proselyting spirit. A man that would proselyte and bring believers from one group to another, it shows there is an emptiness there. He's working for an organization instead of the kingdom of God. If you leave this church and you go around other churches and you say, Lighthouse is the only place. Leave there, come here. It will reflect that this church is dead. If it is alive, it needs to go to Jellico Street and find hardened criminals and declare the gospel to them. And they raise their hands under the conviction of the weight. And they come and get baptized. And a prostitute becomes a sinner. Yes. A drunkard becomes a saint. Then we say the church is alive. Yes. But if it's just a movement, it's proselyting. It shows there is emptiness. I ask the people that believe in the tape ministry only. Tape ministry only. There are people that believe pastors should retire, churches should be closed, we should be home, listen to the tapes. And when we are home, you can have communion with your family at home. How can you take a drunkard that came into the message last week and you tell him that he can go and buy wine and have a communion alone? Do you think it's going to be a glass or it's going to be full bottle? Or bottles? Stay with me. And this, this tape ministry, the target is young people. It's not old timers, it's young people. Why, why, why would young people gather together and listen to a tape and not have a pastor and not have a do? How are they going to turn out? Just boys and girls excited over tape. There's got to be. We've got to have elders to guide the young ones. We've got to have pastors to, to, to guide them and protect them. Are you, are you still with me? You, Brother Brenham's tape alone is not enough and the tape will tell you I'm not enough, go to church the tape says you can't wait for the doors to open on Sunday the tape says your pastor sing welcome, welcome as your pastor is coming you are prayed up, he's prayed up he's going to preach to you that's the tape but this new tape I reject it. 
You have heard me. Let's come in the message exposition. You know, there are people that, that were in Pentecostals, among the Pentecostals, that came into the message. And they loved the quality that they saw in the message. You can remove it, I'll call it. They loved the quality that they saw in the message. They loved how sisters carried themselves and how brothers carried themselves, how marriages were and how families were. And later on, they got disturbed when they began to see the things that we ran away from among the Pentecostals. They are resurfacing in the message. They had a problem of a, of a deacon that married four times. Today they've got a deacon in the message that married two times. And, and they wonder, is there a difference between where I left and where I am? I'll show you, it is driven again by that spirit of billiam. Bring this quotation, brother. Now, bring it, brother. It says in church age, now I want this on record right here. I'm not speaking against elders in the church, no, sir. That elder can be as poor as any man was ever poor. Or be the richest man in the world, as long as he's an elder in heart and in deed, I would not hesitate to ordain any man that has the real spiritual qualifications as an elder or deacon, regardless of his finances or social position. Do you hear him? But when you see a social or financial structure come into the church that divides the folks in any way, that is not, that is not of God. It is another sign of the time in this physically rich but spiritually impoverished Laodicean age in which we are living now. What does it mean, folks? A man gets baptized. His baptismal clothes are still wet. Very wet. In no time he's preaching. What is he preaching? And when you check it's not a spiritual qualification. It's because the pastor managed to see the size of the bank balance. And realized that, ah, we caught a big one. 
and will do whatever it takes to keep a big one. And actually, even if the man was genuine, he's going to be corrupted by the ministry. Because birth involves a process. Baptism of the Holy Ghost involves a process. Are you still with me? His baptismal clothes are still wet, but he's a deacon. He doesn't even know what COD is. What, what, what you think is going to come there is because a financial structure has come into the church. Folks, at no point in time in this assembly, you must never measure yourself based on your finances. Do you hear me? Let the brother that has preached to you, let him be a blessing. Let the brother that does not have preached to you, let him be a blessing. As long as both have the Holy Ghost. Are, are you here, church? I, I hope we are together here. I hope we are together. Brother Branham say, that's what, that's what happened. That's why you see ministers today, they are crumbling under pressure. And the, the best way to see if you ever live here and maybe visit Cape Town and you're looking for a place of worship or you go anywhere, the first thing that you must check that church, check it on marriage and divorce. Check how it has handled that. Because how they handle that, it shows how their marriage and divorce status spiritually is. There can never be spiritual fornication, natural fornication, until there is spiritual fornication. Yes. I hope we are together here. What, 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 what have I used this morning to try to say to you? I'm trying to say, as we progress, don't drop the standard. I say, as we progress, never go back to denominationalism. We came out for a reason and will remain out of it for a reason. Yes. But I say there is an appetite to pull the bride back into that hold of a python. Are you with me, folks? Then the trustees would know I have no desire. And I'm never engulfed by how much who ends what in this church. And there is a reason for that. I want when you are sitting here that I just see souls that want to go into the rapture. Not look at the bank balances. No, sir. The bank balance doesn't move me. I, move, I get moved when I see a man of prayer, a man of devotion to the message, a man that loves God, a man that puts God above everything, a man that loves the brethren and embraces the brethren irrespective of the background. That moves my heart. Not money. No. I've seen money destroying churches. And it is still destroying churches. I hope we are together. In the message, humble thyself. Paragraph 95. Above everything, love God. 
and love above above everything. Love God and love one another. Be humble with God and around one another. And God will God will bless us when we become humble and love one another. And it's a heart telling what he will do. Usually, when a church begins to get in numbers and get to getting a little bigger or something like that, then they get away from that real thing. Real thing. The very thing that made them at the beginning, they get away from it. And I say, Lord, be merciful that we must never get away from the real thing. What is the real thing? Love one another. Amen. Respect one another. Amen. Pray for one another. You know, I said it, I think those that have joined us in our virtual service on Wednesday, there is a need to pray for one another. Amen. You know, the greatest phrase that you would ever hear in your life is to say, I have prayed for you. That, that goes a million miles to, for somebody to approach God with your name on their lips and say, Lord, I remember my brother. Whatever he needs, may you remember him at his point of need. And the moment we pray for one another, then we don't undermine one another. We respect one another. Then we love one another. Then we correct one another because we are a family and a family that prays together stays together. And the prophet says, every time you go before God and you pray for somebody, he says, a lot of time, it's you that will get more blessings. Amen. But what is happening today? What is happening today? Because of... Uh, 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 it used to be, Brother Mutau, that if I had a matter, I would come to Brother Mutau and say, Brother Mutau, I've got this challenge. Can you pray for me? And Brother Mutau will pray for me. I mean in the yesteryear. <laughs> ah, today. But today, if you tell them, Zalwanori, things are tough. Ah, immediately when you leave their house, it's a WhatsApp, social media status. People are going through a lot. Tell you what. Then you wonder, all right. Are you going to go next time? No. Or it's a matter, confidential. Come to a person. My child just tested for positive HIV. Can you pray with me? Can we pray? After some weeks, some months, you come across somebody that you have never spoken to. Say, how's your child doing? About what? Oh, I heard that she tested. How did you hear? Are you going to trust the next time? No. Then what is happening? You become a church that gather together, but cannot pray for one another because you don't trust one another. No. Then the devil divides you then you are getting away from that real thing. 
I like it. The church. I was telling my wife the other time, I said, I said something here last week about my family situation back home. And I'm not afraid to tell you about what I go through because you are believers. It's not a secret. If, if you ever come to this church and you want to pretend that you don't fight with the David, uh, then you are a very fake believer. <laughs> we, are de- we are dealing with a lot. I had to go home last week because my brother, you remember my, my brother has been on drugs since 1996 as a young boy. Taken to the best schools but could not finish. And I went home because he was in prison for quite some time. And he came out. And he wanted to have a discussion with me. Then I had a discussion with him when I was home. I asked him, what drug were you using? He said, I've used them all. Then he said, but I want to make my life right. I think I've done everything that I can do, but I still don't have joy. I want to have joy when I'm alone. Then I said, look, I've been your brother for a number of years. You have seen my life before you. It may not have looked like it's a fantastic life, but it's a life that has always been characterized by a devotion to God and going to church. It's not anything to write home about, but it has kept me sober, my brother, all these years. You know, he was baptized as a youngster. I don't know, my gift of singing was taken by him. He's a good singer. He used to render songs. I say, the Lord never left you. You left the Lord. And you know where you left the Lord. And you know where to find the Lord. I can only assist you with prayer. I can assist you with advice. But I advise you, let's find the Lord. Then he said, I want to see my pastor, Pastor Mugoba. I said, I'm going with you. Because it means so much to me. I want to be there. And we sat down. You know, that's when you begin to appreciate a role of a pastor. I wasn't was in the office as a pastor. I was in the office as a brother. Before a pastor with my brother. Are you still with me here? Then I, I realized, I looked there how Pastor Mugobi spoke to him and guided him. As I'm speaking right now, he's back in church. He's being announced in Sishio. But pride doesn't allow me to come and tell you these things. It wants me to park there and say, hey, the pastor spoke very well. He's living a good life. All is well. Nonsense. We are in a battle here. And that's why we need to pray for one another. I've got no image to maintain. I told you. I'm in a ba- when you are in a battle, you've got no image to maintain. 
Your sword is out. You are marching against the enemy. But today, Brother Chetty, we want to maintain images. Let everything look right. Then we only see you sinking. I say this so that you reinforce me in prayer. I'm not a superman. I'm your pastor. But God is a superman. Are you still with me? And as I need your prayer, you need my prayers. We need one another prayer. And if it ever gets to a point where you are with another believer and another believer is discussing another believer and is degrading them and is, is, is misrepresenting them and is destroying them, God be merciful to such a believer. But we've got no image to maintain. Brother, we've been broke. Hallelujah. If you have been broke, we have been broke. If you have been sick, we have been sick. If you've got somebody on drugs, we've got somebody on drugs. What we preach about here is not something sucked out of our thumb. It's an experience. And when we say God answers our prayers, he does answer prayer. When I spoke to my younger brother, it dawned on me that it's not prison that changed him. It's not his decision. It's not drugs. I've seen my mother from 1996, year in, year out, praying for that boy. I woke up at 3 o'clock sometime, I would hear a voice and hear her praying for him. And when he said, now I want to make my life right, I say, that's the prayer of the mother. Mothers, are you here in the building? Mothers, are you here in the building? The season calls for mothers that can go down on their knees and speak to God about matters and say, God, we want you on the scene. And I am here to tell you, God can change your heart. I was, this in closing, I was at a car wash when I was home. And I took the car to be washed. And there came a young man that I knew was troublesome. He's one of the first few gangsters that we knew. And I pulled over in his car. And he came, sat next to me, and called me with my school name, Victor. Hey, they will say, my Vic. Hey, my Vic. I said, oh, <laughs> how are you? Then we started talking. Then he told me that he had served in prison for eight years. I looked at him. I said, yeah, I remember you. I remember you. Excuse me, you were one of the first few thugs that we knew in this community. During that time, the boy, there used to be a very expensive shoe called Cavella. To him, it was cheap. There used to be a shoe called Porsche, which was very expensive. He used to have different colors every day. Not waking, hijacking cars. And he told me that I just served nine years, eight years for robbery. But he reminded me of something that I had forgotten. He said, 
there was a, a young a, a girl that was a standard ahead of me who was this girl was a, a girlfriend to this boy the father of this boy of this girl was afraid of this boy the father was afraid of the boyfriend the father was afraid of the boyfriend the, because he had a gun and he used to beat his girlfriend every day I remember because we were in the same school we were in town at a school called Meridian she was there a standard ahead of me This girl decided to terminate the relationship with this boy. And you know when you terminate the relationship with an abuser, he went mad. And he was coming. That day we knew we were on a bus coming from school. Everybody knew that we were going to find him there waiting for this girl with a gun. All the school children on the bus were jittery. Because of we knew what he was capable of as a thug. I had forgotten about this, but there's somewhere where I'm going. When we got there, I remember I came out of the bus. It was not my bus, it was not where I was supposed to disembark, but I came out of the bus. And I went to him. And I spoke to him. He's the one reminding me. He said, I remember I was ready to blow her brains out. But you came and spoke to me and convinced me. Then it dawned on me, I remembered. Then I asked him a question. I said, he said, I could have easily as well shot your brains out. Then I said, but what convinced you about me? Because I remember everyone was afraid. He said, you have always been known as a little church man. I respected your faith and your life. I decided that time that I will not shoot her and I will not shoot you. Then he said, how you have lived? I've been with your brother in prison. If your brother can get what you have, He's a very clever man. He will go far. If, then I say, here is a man that knows me when I was in the message. Here is a man that has gone into prison with my brother. But there is something that he respects. Even though he doesn't know the details, is the message of the hour. Amen. Folks, he doesn't respect me. He respects the message of the hour. Amen. If the message can make a hardened criminal to have respect... This message can make even the devil to have respect. And we can drive the, we can drive the devil out of our children's life. I hope somebody can say amen to that. We can drive the devil out of our children's life. The church can say amen to that. I say we can drive the devil out of our children's life. And we can drive the devil out of our homes. And we can drive the devil out of our marriages. And we can drive the devil out of our churches. I know what I'm talking about. Because this message is the word of God. But the church needs to return back. 
not under carnal leadership, but under Holy Ghost filled leadership. God bless you, Rich. As we stand. He has done great things, Brother Matawa. done great things. After the judges, we find Ruth. We can carry on about this message to show you after the judges how God through Naomi brought in Ruth and how you through the Naomi, the Orthodox Church, God is bringing you as the Ruth in the end time. But there is Boaz. Amen. And the chief reaper. We will carry on. God bless you. God is so
has done great things. I believe it. Amen. Give us another one as we are going to pray. Maybe study party pass me, oh gentle Savior. Brother Mpanya now will wrap up in prayer for us.
more time. Father, when you pass by, as individuals, we say, pass us not, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know our hearts, you know our needs, you know our cries, you know our weaknesses, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. So I, this afternoon, Almighty God, we sing deep down from our hearts. And do not pass us, Heavenly Father. We are nothing, Heavenly Father, without Thee, Lord. We've had Your way this morning, Lord, and it was delivered not by man, by You, Heavenly Father, through Him, Lord. That is the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. Indeed, that's what we believe in, Heavenly Father. Indeed, that's the reason we come and gather in this fashion, Lord, to hear from above, Heavenly Father. Yes. Mighty God, we say, bless each and every individual, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit take over, Heavenly Father. Mm. May it lead us when we are in church. May it lead us when we are at work. Mm. May it lead us when we are on our ways. May mm. it lead us when we are at our homes, Heavenly Father. Let it be so, Father. We have seen different kinds of leadership, Lord. Yes. And all that we have seen failed and come to nothing, Lord. Mm. So there is only one that is still standing, Lord. Thank you, Father. And we can stand here like old David in Psalms, Lord, when say, since I was a young man, Lord, it was through his experience, Heavenly Father, mm. that he has not seen anyone, Lord. He has not seen you abandoning him, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whatever Jesus. he has asked, you have provided, Heavenly Father. 
And we can say that, Almighty God, that since we knew you, Heavenly Father, you made us young men that people exactly. can be proud of, Lord. Right. You make us fathers that people can be proud of, Lord. Mm. You make us everything, Heavenly Father. Mm. So that is why even this afternoon, Lord, we can stand boldly here, Heavenly Father, that you keep your promises, Almighty God. We can stand boldly, Heavenly Father, that you are the only one, Almighty God, that we are, when we are in trouble, Lord, we come and you provide, Heavenly Father. Bless our pastor, Almighty God. Give him abundantly, Heavenly Father. Be with him when he prepares, Heavenly Father. Bless each and every individual, Lord, Almighty God. We know, Heavenly Father, they are the ones that are not here. Mm. We know due to different reasons, Heavenly Father. Some mm. are sick, Lord. Mm. Some are committed, Heavenly Father. Mm. May you visit each and every individual, Lord. May you, abandon, may you bless them, Heavenly Father, abundantly. Because you know, Heavenly Father, the reasons. We want next time when we meet, Heavenly yes. Father, have testimonies, Almighty God, that we are now gathered, Heavenly Father, here under this leadership of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Bless the church, Heavenly Father. Bless the musicians, Heavenly Father. Bless those that lead us in choruses, Heavenly Father. Even the late, Heavenly Father. Whosoever that comes under the truth, Heavenly Father. May you bless them abundantly, Heavenly Father. Be with us as we depart, Heavenly Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. All the church shall agree by saying, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you richly till we see you next Sunday. Have a blessed week of what remains of it. There is a precious hiding place. There is a precious hiding. How many believe there is a precious hiding place? Amen.